everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. We are joined today by the one, the only Aja. Hello, hello, hello. What? <laughs> What is going on? How are you today? I'm hot. I, this weather in New York City is making no sense. It says it's like 50 degrees, but the sun is out. So I'm like boiling and freezing at the same time. I get it. I'm like one of those people who's always cold and like I've even been warm in the past day or two. So like something is going on out there. Wait, you're in Brooklyn, right? Yes, I am in Brooklyn where, <laughs> where you can't ever tell what weather it is either because we have some areas of large buildings and then some without. And then you always have that one corner when you turn that suddenly it's like 30 degrees. And it's like weird wind in New York lately. Like this weird, like warm, dry wind. I'm and not- I always say that it's change. Whenever there's wind that's so dramatic, I'm like, girl, there's change in the air. Something's going to happen. Hopefully something good. We need something good, right? Honestly, after 2019, 2020, we need something great. Seriously. So we're going to talk all about your new music, all about your new album, all of that. But this is what I like to tell people. The second time that you come back, we don't need to go over the past. But we can't get to the present until we start at the beginning. Because we like to get to know you. I want to know more about you. So I know you are a Brooklyn, you're a Brooklyn native, right? Yes. I was born and raised in Brooklyn, moved out once, and (laughs) within six months was like, well, time to go back home. Where did you move? Like, was it out in New York? Yeah, it was LA, you know, the good old old gay life type of thing. I'm going to go be bi-coastal, but, you know, that means stay in LA because it's nice weather. But it just wasn't home. I get it. And, I mean, I'm not a driver, like... After living in, I mean, I basically grew up here too, so th- th- that's the problem for me. Oh, I'm road rage driver. I can't drive with the people in LA. I'll run everyone over. <laughs> You're like, get the hell out of my way. So, growing up here, that was great, right? Um, I wouldn't say great. I mean, it definitely was uh, full of trials and tribulations. Uh, I think, uh, you know, experiencing Brooklyn in the late 90s, because I was born in the early 90s, um, it just was a lot of, of bullshit. You know, there's, the, the, there's great culture, great food, great family aspects, lots of gang violence, lots of crime, and, you know, kind of just struggling to make it type of thing. Brooklyn, it's like every time I, it's like so gentrified now, it's crazy. I got to witness that firsthand. I I always say, and it sounds really silly, but the first time that I saw just a white person with their MacBook out on a patio, and I was like, I had to look around and be like, oh my God, you're bold. Because I wouldn't even take my phone out at a point because I thought I was going to get robbed. So when people were walking around with MacBooks in their hands and iPads, I was like, bitch, something is happening. And then the Starbucks came, and that's when we was like, well, stamped and sealed. (laughs) And then they start putting up all the doorman buildings, and you're like, okay, now this is not the Brooklyn I knew. For real, it's crazy because they're starting to make all these, uh, I don't know if they're projects or co-ops or what they are, but they're like really fancy on the inside, and it's just nothing... Nothing that I know, because it's so artsy and new and set up. And I'm like, whoa, this is completely different. But, the, you know, the rent is going up, skyrocketing. Yeah, it's not going down. And I would love to know anyone in New York, Brooklyn, that has a great deal during COVID, because 
Certainly not me. I tried. Oh. They were like, honey, good luck. There's the door. And I'm like, okay, wait. I, I didn't really mean that. <laughs> you try Honestly, to negotiate. Yeah. They're like, you can go, sweetie. And I'm like, okay, well, wait a second. I, 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 I take that all back. Whatever you want. You're just there like, it's just the thanks that I get for putting you bitches on. <laughs> kind of. When did you start doing drag for the first time? I was like 16, maybe 15. Um, you know, at first I wasn't really, I wasn't really calling it drag. I was just kind of dressing up and I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. Um, but it was definitely coming from like a, like a trans curious sort of place where I was just like, all right. Um, <laughs> and then I started getting in trouble because, uh, you know, people realized that I was going through their shit and putting it on and stuff like that. But um, that's how it kind of started. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe this is performative, question mark. And I, I had a friend who was like talking about this competition in the city. And I just remember being like, bitch, I'm not 21 yet, though. And, you know, apparently it didn't matter. We just, you know, you, you go and you sass the bouncer and, you know, miracles happen, you know. I, I had times before I turned 21 where I would show up to the club or, or to bars and if the bouncer gave me a hard time, I gave them that very much like, <laughs> I don't give a fuck, like kind of attitude where you just kind of walk past and you're just like, try to get me out. <laughs> you're like, let me in. Were you good at it right away? Like that competition, like, did you do well? Like, or did you go through this whole growing pains in the beginning? Um, I mean, it, it was definitely a struggle for like a few weeks. And then um, I think that I was, uh, well, I don't know. I think I was trying to be myself and it really wasn't selling. So I kind of just like, you know, bought into what I thought people wanted to see of me. And of course it sold. So I kind of became a little circus monkey for a little bit where it was just like, you know, jump monkey, jump. And I jumped and I was like, okay, but you know, it got me paid for a while. Yes. Yes. And yes. I, where did the inspiration for the circus monkey cost? Like where did the clothes, like the name, where did the look come from? Like where, where was the, what were the inspirations for all of that? Um, I just feel like there's this standard that gets put on people of color, especially in nightlife where if you, maybe not as much now because um, there's just so much different types of performers. But back then it was like, if you, if you were not, if you were white, you did the Broadway, you did the comedy, you did all that. If you were like, if you were Latino, black, whatever, you know, you, you were known to do the dance numbers, to do the, like the attitude, quote unquote, like kind of, kind of zhuzh, get up. And um, at first I was like, eh, this is, I was like, I don't want to do none of that. I wanted to be like a horror, a horror queen. That was like my thing. I wanted to be scary and nasty. And then, um, I don't know, I just kind of felt really ugly because I was also battling this, like, identity issue within where I was like, well, am I, am I trans? Am I not? And um, so it was weird because I was struggling with wanting to be passing. But then I was also, like, such a, like, horror geek that I wanted to make this persona who was, like, you know, based on, like, Freddy Krueger and shit like that. And all that was happening at the same time. Unfortunately, yes. And I say unfortunately because it's two, two opposite things and you're trying to navigate both of them at the same time. It is not fun. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to be going on at once. Where did your decision to enter the world of Drag Race start? 
like, did you, were, were there years and years that you tried out and you wanted to be on it? Were people saying, oh my God, you're so good. You should go down this road. Um, I've always had this like kind of resistance when it came to drag race because I, I don't really, I've never seen it as a real competition. I've always just said, oh, this is reality TV. This is not real. And um, I don't know what made me do it was I was just in a really fucked up situation in my life where I was stuck. I was in, I was, I was out of an abusive relationship, but still living with the person. And, you know, I was working seven to eight gigs a week and it, I wasn't making enough. So I was just like, okay, what do I do? And drag race was the, the thing at the time where it was like, if you get on drag race, you know, the rumors of how much the girls get paid and all this stuff. And, you know, when you work with the girls, you know how much they get paid. So you're like, I could be making this money and this could really be helping me. So um, I auditioned for the show uh, in season eight and um, I didn't get on. I was, I was like, I guess not too serious about it because I was like not really believing I was going to get on. Uh, but then I promised myself for season nine, I would like try so hard that like there was no way they could say no. And um, it was funny because in the middle of me making the tape, I got reached out to by uh, the casting firm who I believe passed the show. And they were like, oh, we came across your social media, Instagram, you know, um, we we think you should audition for the show. And I was already going to. So I was like, mm, <laughs> sure. So I did it. And, you know, I, I ended up getting on the show. Um, but it was it was very conflicting because I knew that deep down inside, like, to be America's Next Track Superstar was something that I never really wanted, but I just know that I needed an escape from where I was in my life. It was escapism at best, to be honest. Do you think, like, someone has to go that route, or is that, like, a misconception? You know, like, if you're, like, an up-and-coming drag queen in any community, like, is it really drag race? Like, I mean, that's what puts you on the map, or no, there's so many ways to get out there and do your job and get noticed. I think that anybody can become famous, to be honest with you. And I think that um, there's the sad truth is, and I say this as humbly as possible. I think that drag race is just a very quick launching pad for, for drag artists. But however, I do believe that not every person who gets on drag race is meant to be like a famous star. I think that that's obvious though, because you, you often see after years, people will return to back to where they came from. And then very, very few select people actually, you know, encompass everything it takes to be a salesperson, to be, you know, marketable, to be, uh, a, you know, a performer or whatever they want to be. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think everyone who gets on drag race is gifted what, you know, the way that people make it seem people make it seem like you get on drag race and your life has changed. I mean, yeah, some people, yeah, but for the worst too. Um, so, but I think for me and where I was at the time, it was the best and easiest way out of my situation. And you did well and it went well and you went on to go back again. Yeah, I think it was just, it was, I think the first time I was so preoccupied with everything that was going on at home that I was like, I'm just trying to be in a safe space for as long as possible. Um, and I, I thought every, when I, when we filmed that season, I thought every day I was going to go home. I was like, I'm going to go home. 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 Like, I, it was just like, I don't even know why I'm here. And then, um, you know, people, 
people gather so many opinions because I, I incredibly, I think that I came off incredibly aloof and unaware in the first season that I was on. But in all fairness, I wasn't even really there mentally. So um, when I when I had got offered a spot on the All Star season, I was like, "What?" I was like, "Okay," um, but I was in a better place at the time. So I said, "You know what? Let me treat this as my real my real first chance." And I went on, and I fucking killed it. And you were more present. It sounds like. Mentally. Yeah, I mean, I also I also was high on edibles the entire season when we filmed that second season because I had learned from the previous like what I could and not try to sneak in and I don't think I was supposed to be on edibles but I didn't really care I I was just if you go back and look at it there's so many shots of like the confessionals and my eyes are just bloodshot and I'm just like um just saying random shit I'm gonna have to go back and watch it now what about definitely no sorry Go on. No, it's just it definitely was an experience because then there were times where I would be in the hotel room like I'm dying, someone help me. <laughs> You're like, how did I do this and why did I sneak these in? That part. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask you, so the first time around, some of these guest judges tell me a quick hit on Lady Gaga. Like, did you interact? I mean, was she backstage with you guys? Yes, um, she she was in the room with us um, when she came in. Uh, it was obviously the 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 entrances, like you know, on TV they take like ten minutes, but in real life it's taking like hours. Um, I mean, I I really didn't think it was her at first, to be honest with you. I always say this, like, uh, Kimura was so was so present and like it's Gaga, and I'm like, is it? <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was Plastic Tiara. I'm not even joking. I was like, oh, I was like, that's that girl. And I thought it was Plastic. I had no idea how old she was. And I was like, I know her. Uh, But then I saw the tattoo on the thigh and I was like, oh, maybe it is Lady Gaga. I don't get starstruck. I don't really care like about like celebrities and stuff, which I guess makes me sound like an asshole, but I've just, I know. I feel like there's something really weird about turning people into idols. So I'm, I'm very um, mutually respectful. Like I, I just would treat someone how I would want them to treat me. Um, yeah, I mean, the only guest judge I didn't really like on the season, because I forgot most of them anyway, but the only one that I remember was, oh, Jenny Garth. I couldn't stand her. She just came off like a Republican mom, and I was just like, oh, my God, like annoying. Really? I, was she, like, rude to you or just... Yeah, it was weird because they were, like, trying to get me and Peppermint to make out, and then we would make out, and they would tell them, they would, like, in the acting scene, and then they would, like, they were like, oh, you're making us uncomfortable. And I was like, then why the fuck would you ask us to make out? Like, you know, I'm just like, okay, I get it, we're on television, but you're also six feet away from me. I will run up on you. You're like, you're, I'm not feeling it from Kelly Taylor from 90210. No, thank you. No, but Tori was nice, nicer, definitely. Tori was like a sweetheart. It was Jenny Garth. Who, and then she uh, she got like some uh, some flack from, um, who was it? People were saying saying shit about her. And she she suddenly said that it was, she blamed the edit. She said they edited her like really misconstrued or, or bad. And I was just like, no, you, you were, you were something else. She was just like really conservative, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, you know, it happens, I guess. It does. You just would think, 
as a guest judge on of all shows drag race you wouldn't be the most conservative well you know i feel like people just make appearances just to just because they're getting a coin so that's true how was um naya rivera she was very sweet actually i i i I thought it was very heartbreaking when uh, when she had passed um, because uh, we did get to work with her and she was very nice. And um, yeah, I, I didn't have much to say about her. I just know that I was sitting right next to her and she had really nice skin. And I was just like, oh, like, you know, I forget that, you know, th- I feel like there's just something about, about people who are on television all the time that they have just this like presence. And I guess that's the point. <laughs> I guess that's why they're always on TV. Um, but she just had this really graceful presence and this smooth, buttery skin, and she was so nice to everyone. So I was, I was definitely uh, taken aback by her passing. And you, and you never get starstruck. You're not the type. Like there's nobody that could walk in to your or walk down the street and you pass, or you're in like a show, or you just run into them. Like it's possible for you to get starstruck. No, I feel like I feel like if I bump into someone who I look up to and um and it's really random i might get nervous but like i've never been like oh my god like you know that as close as nervous as i've ever gotten was um huh woohoo oh no i was about to tell that story if you let me tell the story um i was at the louis vuitton store and i was trying to get a belt for my birthday um and i i was there with my uh with my assistant my assistant is like, wait, isn't that uh, Tyler, the creator? And I, I love Tyler, the creator. So I was like, I looked to the side and there was a Tyler, the creator was there with Jaden Smith. Lo- well, I don't really care for Jaden Smith that much. I was going to lie and say love him, but no, but I don't really care about him. But I was just like, it took me a minute and I had to turn around and I was like, this is awkward. I was like, suddenly I felt like I had done something wrong. It was like my social awkwardness just kicking in. And I, 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 instead of saying hi, I put my belt, I put the belt down and just walked out the store. Really? Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know. I wouldn't call it starstruck. I just got really nervous. I was just like, Oh, I was like, what if he just, what if he just notices me being like a weirdo? And it's just like, why are you looking at me? So I was just like, I'm walking away. <laughs> so you just left the Louis Vuitton belt there. Right. <laughs> I ended up going to the Gucci store and getting a Gucci belt instead, just in shambles. Gucci's good too, right? Yes, and it was um, the belt. I still have the belt too. I kept the belt. I, I almost sold it, and then I was like, I'm keeping this belt as a memory. I love it. What about a few years back, m- moving on from Drag Race, a few years back, you um, made a statement and you said, you know, I'm no longer, please don't refer to me as, and I'm paraphrasing, you, you know what you said better than me, like, please don't refer to me as a drag queen, I'm no longer a drag queen, I'm a quote-unquote queer artist. So talk to me about, like, where that came from and what was behind that. Um, you know, I thought it was, I thought, it, I thought that that would go over way smoother than it really did, than it did. But uh, it, it really just came from a place of not feeling like I wanted to perform gender and I just kind of wanted to live it. And like, you know, I didn't like the idea of transformation because I didn't feel like I had a character was transforming. I was just kind of being myself and putting on clothes like, you know, Prince, Bowie, Klaus Nomi even. Like, you know, a lot of these 
a lot of these artists, even fuck like Joan Jett, Lady Gaga, these people don't have really like an alter ego. It's just them. They're putting on clothes and if they're eclectic, it's because they want to be. And if they're plain, it's because they want to be. It's, you know, I, it wasn't, people made it out to be an extremely facetious statement. And I was like, no, it's not like that. Because people, there was this big rumor went around that I thought I was bigger and better than drag. And I was just like, I, if that's the case, then I would have never have done it. Um, but, you know, drag has just become such a big thing in culture right now. Um, and people, people love it. And, you know, the idea of why would somebody hit this jackpot and then throw it away is just so, so astounding to people. You know, I even, I wrote about it in my album on, um, in the song Bonshu too. Um, there's a line where I say, you know, how you hit the jackpot and throw it away, what a shame. And that's me kind of mimicking the crowd. And then I say, maybe that ain't for me, you know? And I think that drag race was a nice thing and the drag touring the world was a nice thing. It's just, it wasn't for me. And I'm doing, you know, and it's ironic because I'm doing the same thing. I'm still creating art, creating visuals, I'm creating music. And it, it pretty much is the same fucking concept it's just me calling it something different because I've realized that my, myself, my artistry uh, was not limited to just drag. Right. That makes sense to me. Isn't it funny how like, uh, just as a society, that's where we are. Like people really feel that that fame or whatever, and you do talk about, these are some of the things we see on this album you know that like fame is the ultimate goal or money and like how dare you walk away from whatever it is whatever hit tv show or whatever right and it was so funny because um you know at first when i started doing my own thing and pushing the title of drag away from myself you know if i told you that i lost all my opportunities i would be lying i got such bigger opportunities that stemmed from that i got to to be at the front line of the H&M campaign with Gus Kenworthy, Kim Petras, uh, Sean Ross. You know, I got to be the face of Starbucks for an entire season, like, you know, along with two other influencers. And I got invited to numerous fashion shows, front seating. I got to sit next to Nicki Minaj. I've gotten to sit next to Kelly Rowland, uh, even um, Whoopi Goldberg. Like, I've, I got awarded a lot for being authentic to myself. And, you know, it just, I thought it was just very sad that while all this happy, great things were happening for me, people were being so negative about it. Like, I remember when I got my Starbucks campaign, which, you know, I have the contract in my email forever to this day. And, you know, I got, I got paid a lot of money. It's my highest paid gig to this day. You know, that pay could have, that I could have probably put a big down payment on a house with that fucking gig. And people really were so upset that they were saying like, why her? Out of all the people, why Aja? And it was people saying, oh, she's just a stock model. Like, this is not really her gig. You know, they wanted everything and they, they tried everything to make it seem like it wasn't, real like I was making it up it was fake 
And I, I thought, you know, that's so sad when someone in your community is really just thriving and you can't be happy for them because you're so caught up on the fact that they don't want to be labeled as something. Right. And that's what they were saying. They were saying, like, you're making this up. This can't be really happening to you. Oh, yes. And people were said that I was making it up. And then it was funny because a few weeks later, as more of the promo stuff came out and Starbucks started posting, like, the stuff with me, people were like, oh, okay, maybe it is real. And I was just like, that's disgusting. Like, you know, and then, and then it, that's when it became like, oh, well, she was just a stock model. And I was like, Girl, I have the contract. You know, they flew me from from fucking China first class into LA with my not just me, my whole team, because that's how much they wanted me. And I landed at seven a.m. with ready by ten a.m. and I did my fucking shooting day. So like, you know, and that day, you know, it's fucked up because that day I literally got to LA. I felt like shit. I had a fucking parasite that I didn't find out till a week later. I was sick. And I did this gig, and then that same night, um, oh my God, it was just like a messy situation with my ex, like on the day we landed. It was so much that happened in one day, and then like, I'm over here like, wow, like, you know, I guess it's just time to die. Like, that was me. I was getting into such a suicidal mindset by that time, and it was just people like, well, okay, like, you know, you suck. Wait, I have another question. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me, listen, I love being the host of the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, but bringing you guys five shows a week, tracking down the top Bravo celebrities to bring you new creative content every day, that causes me stress. It causes me anxiety. I'm not even going to get into the lack of sleep or lack of a relationship. So I needed somewhere to turn. And for me, I turned to BetterHelp. I love BetterHelp because it's professional counseling right from the comfort of your own home. What they do is they match you with a licensed therapist who's a professional that fits your needs and the things that you want to talk about. So you may not have the same issues as I do. They also deal with LGBTQIA issues anger, grief, trauma. If you are having relationship issues, if you're in a relationship, good for you. I'm not. They really deal with everything and everything you share is confidential. So I cannot stress how much because of this job that I love so much, it has caused me some issues and BetterHelp really is a lifesaver. Right now, if you guys also want to start living a happier life, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash velvet rope. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Velvet Rope. And as a listener, you guys get 10% off your first month. Try it. I promise you, you are going to feel so much better once you talk to one of their licensed professional counselors. And listen, so many people have been using BetterHelp. They're actually recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. DM me. Let me know how it goes. This has been a lifesaver for me. People, I mean, were you shocked at, just in general, like, you know, you go on a show like Drag Race, you have this national platform, like, are you shocked at, like, the social media hate? You know, like, everyone gets it. Like, did you go, 
how did you get over that? I mean, or are you not? Like, do you still let the comments bother you? Um, I, I don't know if anybody may realize, but I've been on social media a lot less lately. Um, I just, people are just very nasty and very hateful. And I've just learned that some people, you know, it, it's always going to be easier to see the negativity through the light. Because mm-hmm. darkness is darkness is just dark. I don't know how to explain it, um, but it, it is shocking. It's shocking, and I've never seen a more nefarious like fan base. Like I've never seen, you know, people be so nasty. And it's because you have a lot of underlying racism and microaggression within the fan base. You know, Drag Race is primarily in my opinion, uh, consumed by uh, like white mothers in the States. And then you have a lot of the Latino community, which is also very colorist and very racist. Um, you just have a lot of different communities just targeting the same communities over and over again. It shows in the following counts of the girls. It shows in the way that certain drag queens are treated. It shows... It just shows from the beginning. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. This summer, the world must answer one question. Why has no one made a popsicle that gets you high yet? That's right, it's summer, and it's time for you to get your hands on America's new favorite product, Danksicles. 20 milligrams of THC in two great flavors, the latest and greatest innovation from IndiCloud. Is IndiCloud the greatest company to come out of America? Maybe. But what we do know for sure is that IndiCloud is the best way to get dispensary-grade cannabis delivered directly to your door, 100% legally. Yes, they ship legally to all states. No medical card needed. Whether it's vapes as big as your head, flowers you won't find in your mom's garden, or, of course, popsicles that get you high as <laughs> What are you waiting for? Go to indicloudco slash spring24 and get discreet delivery on top-shelf THC products. Head over to indicloud.co slash spring24. That's co, not com, to snag 30% off your first order. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You think you could see it right from the beginning, each season? Oh, yes. It didn't start getting that bad until like season seven of Drag Race. Prior to that, it was not as bad. Once that season six, season seven happened, oh my God, I don't know. It was just this like influx of just hatefulness toward um, toward Black and indigenous people of color queens like it just became really nasty it's gotten it's gotten worse than ever i think 
what about, do you think Drag Race themselves has done a lot behind the scenes, you know, to kind of for diversity and inclusion? You know, like we have our new catchphrase this season. It no longer says, gentlemen, start your engines. We say racers. I think that, honestly, the show should have been uh, more considerate of those things before. Like, I don't think we had to be sitting here, like, demanding it or screaming for it, you know. I think there's a lot of work to be done in that department. Uh, but, you know, they're going to move at their own pace. And, you know, they have their Emmys. So they want to keep that. So, you know, I mean, they'll do what they want. I'm glad that they're opening it up a little bit. But I think, you know, uh, uh, more. Do more. Like, the community really needs it. We do need it. What about you mentioned, like, Joan Jett, David Bowie, Lady Gaga, and Prince. Like, are those, like, who are your musical influences? Oh, wow. I have so many. Prince is one of them. Bowie, um, Andre 3000. Um, uh, Oh, so many. I have a lot of, like, fashion icons, and then I have a lot of music-like icons, and I kind of, like, mesh them together. But my ultimate ones are, like, Prince, Bowie, Andre 3000, uh, um, Nicki Minaj, uh, in terms of, of, of music, um, very influenced by um, Billie Eilish. Um, I love her vulnerability in her music and how she has, she just has this thing where she can just say like exactly how she's feeling. That's not easy to do. I think people think it's easy to just write down and bear your soul on a piece of paper it's not easy. And I think that that's what makes the album that I'm releasing right now way different from anything that I've ever worked on is it's the first time I've ever felt comfortable enough to really write about how I feel from the inside. I used to think, oh, nobody gives a shit about what I have to say. Like, you know, so, you know, I'm just gonna make music about stupid shit. Um, but now I'm just, I've learned that I can put everything I feel into my music and I can tell my story and hopefully I can help other people along the way. And um, if anything, Billie Eilish is really someone who influenced that whole thought process. Who influenced a lot of that for, for this album? Billie Eilish. A bit, yeah. Um, also, like, I just wanted to to take inspiration from other queer artists. Um, I feel like there's a lot of queer rappers who don't get credit. Um, if you see, you know, if you realize, like, when you think about big name queer rappers, like right now, we have Lil Nas X who just dropped this like crazy controversial video that, um, which I don't even think it's that controversial, but you know, people, the straights will go beyond everything becomes Jesus Christ when it becomes to the gays. I'm just like, a oh, good God, get a grip. Like, you say Jesus died for our sins and here you are complaining about the fucking music video. Get over it. Right. Um, you know, we have um, Kevin Abstract, uh, one of the leads from Brockhampton, but we don't have much representation. We don't have much uh, people who are really, really big names. And there's a lot of great underground artists uh, that are, are really killing it. I love Nikki Blanco, Cakes the Killer. We have a lot of talent. Um, Dayburger, who's actually a feature on my album on the track Horsewhip. Um, you know, she sent me her verse back and I was 
the the tra- the song itself is so rowdy and so like punk, and then she just comes in with this like fucking I don't know I want to call it an epilogue because it was just like she just said I'm gonna drag these bitches, but I'm not even gonna like lift a nail while doing it, and that effortlessness was is crazy. There's just so much queer artists that deserve that same spotlight, right? Where did the name Crown come from, which is the name of the new album? Yes, the name Crown comes from, um, well, it, it's just like showing the different facets of a crown, like, you know, royalty, uh, abundance. Um, also, the, the album is very heavily inspired by my spiritual practice, which is the Lukumi faith that stems from the Yoruba in Africa. And... Um, when you become a priest of the practice, you're known as someone who is crowned. We call the the initiation a crowning. So there's just so many um, themes there. I was I was very heavily influenced by um, uh, Afro Latino and Afro Indigenous artists like La Lupe, who I kind of made the album cover inspired by. She has, um, I believe, a single called La Reina, and it's like her on the floor, and she's in the same position. Um, which is uh, an act of prostration in our practice when you salute someone's crown. If someone has been, is of a higher status or been crowned longer than you, you salute their crown by throwing yourself on the floor in front of them and letting them lift you. Um, Mm. Our our spiritual faith is a lot about community, so it's about uplifting others always. Um, But then again, I was such a influence from like Celia Cruz, La India. These are all like Spanish artists who um, heavily embraced the gods of the Yoruba pantheon in their music. Um, a lot of people don't know, but Celia Cruz has a lot of songs where she's singing like salsa, but about Oshun, who is the deity that I'm initiated to. Um, it, it's been a big thing in, in Latin American culture, especially because of the Atlantic slave trade, a lot of these um, African gods and traditions made their way into all Spanish culture, even down to like the big famous stuff. You ever heard that song? Aguanile. No. Yeah, it's, a, it's a salsa song by Hector Laveau, and then it was remade by Mark Anthony. And it's like, Aguanile, Aguanile, my, my. That's actually so a chant. That's a chant for. Uh, a, a Yoruba deity named Ogun and that's something we sing in ceremony but it made its way to millions and millions of people so you know it, it's it's this is nothing new um, I think it's just becoming more and more embraced and now you know people are calling Beyonce and they're saying like Beyonce has Oshun energy and she has this and that the other um, people say that and that's the, the in the lemonade um video album where she is walking out and she has the baseball bat and the yellow dress they're like oh yeah. she's portraying oshun in this in this in this video um so yeah uh, i just you know for me it's it's just really authentic because i'm really a priest of the practice uh, yeah and i mean i assume this is like the most authentic music you've made i mean it feels way different than anything you've done in the past Yes, I think that it's it's very true to me. I think that before I made this project, I was still trying to find my sound and my voice. And um, 
You know, I, I, do, I don't want to sell out. I don't want to be what people want me to be. There was a period of time, um, especially in 2019, where um, I was kind of being referred to as the potential, like, American Pablo Vitar. And I was just like, you know, I love Pablo Vitar. She's one of my biggest inspirations as a person. Uh, but, I'm, you know, what she does is what she does. And, you know, it's not necessarily what I want to do. Uh, but, you know, I want to do my own lane. I want to be in my own lane where I'm my own type of artist and you can't really compare me to someone else. What about all the different themes we see? Like, you know, you talk about, like, you do talk about fame, like talking about fame, like that is evident on this. You talk about like race, sexuality. Was that like conscious or it just kind of all came together as you were authentically making this? Child, when I was making this, I was like, I need to talk all the shit that I can about everything. Um, you know, I, I address a lot of different things. I, I talk about feel everything from feeling lost to being stubborn, feeling unloved, um, wanting to die, uh, and down to the nitty gritty stuff. Like, I, I call out people who are are completely fake and just inauthentic to me. And um, I, I kind of end it with saying, fuck you, I'm happy. Like, you know, I, I people are so upset to this day. I get messages on the daily still. You know, I've had almost like 200,000 people unfollow me on social media collectively. And it's just like, if you're that upset, I don't really give a fuck <laughs> because I'm happier than I've ever been. And I'm finally at peace with myself. Why have all these people, why, have, what's the main reason why you think all these people unfollow you? Um, I've heard it all. I liked you for your dragon. That's it. Or like, you know, your, your, your disappointment, like people call me dis a disappointment. They've said like, you know, uh, if I don't do like what they want me to do, they're not going to support me. Um, and other stuff. Like I've had people message me things such as like, Oh, you really think you have what it takes to be like an artist? Like you should sit the fuck down because you don't like people have sent me everything under the sun. And I just know it's not true. I just know that, and also, like, these bitches are a bunch of fucking mannequins. They're at a standstill. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get stagnant. Even when people don't see me, I'm out working and doing stuff. I don't think I've ever had a day off, not even in this pandemic. I wrote my album in the pandemic, and as soon as I got vaccinated, I was up and going, doing my photo shoots, getting my costumes made, which I, you know, without working throughout the pandemic, I had to be smart and save up for bitch, I'm fucking killing it. And nobody could tell me that I'm not. And I have the confidence to, to know that. So that's why I don't listen to those voices anymore because it's just not true. At least you're there. I mean, that's great. Like some people never get there. You know, I've always been shot down for knowing my worth. And when I say that I'm worth more than what people tell me, people get upset. But that's not a me problem. That's a them problem. You know, I... and. One that was one of the things that really pissed me off when I was doing drag was like, if like Billboard released the top ten drag queen music videos, I sat there and I made yes, I made a big shit about it, and I said, well, why does it have to be the top ten drag queen videos? We're not even making the same genre of music, like because a person who does drag, who's also a musician, made each of these songs, they have to like niche it into one small thing right. and people were upset they were like oh just shut up and be grateful you got something you would never make it on a real music list and I'm like well let me tell you something if, if 
if I'm going to do some work, that's like doing hard work that you know costs hundreds of dollars and somebody hands you a fucking dollar. Keep your fucking dollar. I don't want to be on your top 10 fucking list if it's, if it's going to be niche down to the small thing. And people could be upset about that, but I'm not going to settle for that because I'm not just a fucking perpetual clown for society. You know, a lot of, and I'm not just saying this about me, I'm saying this about all the other people who are in that list and, and you know, who are going to continue to make music and do other things outside of just drag. You know, these are people who are putting their all into their art for people to just mop, lump it together into one category when none of it is the same. Right. You know, it, to me, you know, and I know those types of subcategories have always existed, you know, female rappers, male vocalists, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like there's just, something you know if i say it it sounds fucked up but i know people understand what i'm saying there's something derogatory about when cis normative america decides to group drag talent into one little lump and then and then gatekeep it you can't go out of it because then it, be it becomes people the consumer minimizing the worth of the artistry and people don't see that. They don't look at that. They just say, shut up and be grateful. No, I'm not going to shut up and be grateful. And I've never been that person to settle for, for less. If I was the person who settled for less, I would not be where I am right now. Do you think to that point, like these categories, you know, like even like, you know, best male, best female. Well, that's not really where the world is right now. Like, how do we still have these categories? You know, I'm just like award shows. Like, it's so redundant. In my opinion, you know, I understand genres, but to divide people based on identity and within genre is so stupid. Like, you know, just have a pop list, a rap list, a hip hop list. Like, you don't have to make it male vocalist, female vocalist. Shit, they're all vocalists, you know, just yeah. when I when I make things in a competitive manner, I'm not compete I'm not competing to just be the best in my niche. I'm comparing to be the best in me I can be, period. So, you know, that I think any artist should be acknowledged as just being successful in in the main branch of whatever they're doing. You know. I'm not, I will not settle, settle for that little slap on the wrist. Like, oh, congratulations. No, fuck that. Do you have a favorite song on the new album? Yes. My favorite song is White Couture. Um, it's all about me. Uh, so after I became a priest, I took, uh, one of the things that we're supposed to do is we're supposed to like, kind of like take a year of sobriety where you wear all white from head to toe every single day. Um, you know, for the first three months, your head is covered. You're just really purifying and giving yourself a lot of discipline. Um, and I feel like people in my generation really fear discipline. People want to be able to do whatever the fuck they want, whenever they want. And I really think that it shaped me out to be a better adult and a more mature person because um, I, ha I, I told myself I would follow these rules when I did. And um, White Couture was all about me saying, like, you know what? I, I took a second to clear my head, and I'm here, and I'm back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you bitches something. Like, in the first verse, I'm literally saying how silly it is that people fight to be famous. Like, it's just, like, people, people will do anything to be selected in lottery. Like, it's just, like, your fame is not, even, is not even offered to you. You're fighting to be a part of a lottery. And, and you know, you're, you will do anything. You will show, you will throw people under the bus. You will throw yourself under the bus. You'll 
throw everyone you love under the bus. And you know how I know that? Because I've seen people do it. And it does happen. And in the, in the second verse of the song, I just let people know that I'm not here for the shit. Like, you know, it's either you respect me or you don't, but I'm still going to fucking thrive. That's powerful. And I agree. I think fame is just like an extremely powerful drug. And I, I could talk about that for hours. But on that note, people that will throw people under the bus to be famous, and this is no shade, are you watching the current season of Drag Race? Yes, I just got caught up because I was, at first I was like, I was going to watch it. And I was like, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. And then I was like, whatever. Because it's harder to watch it except they're like catching on television. But I ended up watching the UK season like in a binge watch. I like binging. Well, I was going to ask you, what is, you know, because we have Candy Muse who says formerly of the House of Aja and all sorts of other things. Like what is going on with you and Candy Muse? Well, nothing. I mean, we've kind of established that there's no House of Aja for a while. Um, I wanted to do music and they wanted to continue to do like, um, I guess their collective of drag artistry um, together. So, you know, we found that it made no sense for them to be carrying my name if I'm not even part of it. Um, So it was was never like a shady thing. Um, It just kind of was like, us being having common sense but i feel like a lot of people took that as like we were just like not cool um but i mean also ever since candy got on drag race there's been like a microscope on our friendship where people are super concerned about it um i don't think there's anything to be concerned about i think that you know like friends do we're you know we fight we argue we make up and we we have a good fucking day like that's just kind of how friendships work. And if you've never been, if you're not a big personality and you've never been in a, in a friendship with another big personality, then you don't really understand how, you know, heads can bump. Yes, yes, and yes, again, because I think the media has made a big thing of like, you guys are feuding and all this other stuff. I mean, yeah, like, I, it, it's not feuding, it's that like, you know, we we had our ups and downs and unfortunately, like, you know, people people got in they got to see in on that and I mean but at the end of the day like it's again it's nothing new it's just like it's it is what it is like I still I still I support Candy and I support the dollhouse I think that um you know we we all support each other equally that's good so there's no feud no I mean, if it was a real feud, people would know about it because you have these these big mouth bitches and we can't shut up. So it's like, you know, if we were really feuding, people would know. That is true. Do you have a favorite or who a prediction of who you think will win Drag Race? Um, to be honest with you, I was having this talk yesterday. We were, you know, the gays at brunch. Um, yes. And- we were like talking about it and I was like, I don't know because I feel like this is the most, um, this is the most like, how do you say? It's the most dichotomy I've ever seen in people's track records for the show. So I don't know. Um, I feel like some people have done great. Some people have been consistently doing okay. And then some people have been up and down, but when their ups are really up and their downs are really down. So I'm like, I don't know. Um, I, I really feel like anybody could win the show at this point, but I also win that. I also feel like anybody who takes the platform and uses it correctly is the real winner. 
because, um, you know, a hundred thousand, once you get on drag race and when you start touring and stuff, you realize a hundred thousand dollars is not really a lot of money. And after taxes, oof, it's really not a lot of money. You know, people, people are so obsessed with monetary value these days that they, they overhype the sensation of winning the jackpot, but the real jackpot is the longevity and how you use it. Well said, right. And especially $100,000 is not a lot in the Brooklyn, New York City area. I can tell you that. Girl, $100,000 is not even like a year of rent, honestly. It's Seriously. Not like, at some point, I mean, it probably is. But, you know, at some point with the bills, with the water bill, the gas bill, when you got to pay your phone bill, we, girl, that's a year of utilities right there. It's what you make of it. Before we wrap up, two things, the two final things. A, is there anything else that you want us to talk about? You know, like anything I didn't mention that you want to talk about and anything else about your new music? Because the album is great. Anything I didn't cover? Have you heard it? I've heard it. Yeah, it's great. Okay. I, I, I never know if the person has heard it. I want to know what's your favorite song on it. I mean, probably 21. The, the first is probably my favorite. I mean... So if I listen to it more of it, I mean, that's the 21 Roads is the first kind of, I've had like a lead on that song. So you know how like if you hear a song over and over, it's just like naturally your favorite. So it's my favorite, but I don't know if that's like, if I heard the whole thing over as many times as I heard that song, that might change, if that makes any sense. No, yes. I think, um, I think anybody who listens to the album is going to see that it's different for compared to things that I have made before in the past. Yeah. Um, I. I feel like every project I've made up until now has been different from the last because, um, I don't know, I feel like I have had eras. I don't know how to explain it. Just like little moments of like, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm doing. Uh, but I'm excited for the project to be released to the public. Well, that is very Prince of you because Prince had all his errors. Uh, I told you, uh, I told you. Uh, let me tell you something. One time, uh, this goes back to my Starbucks commercial. After I found out I had that parasite, I got hospitalized. <laughs> and when I was in the hospital, one morning the janitor came in and was like, I know who you are. You're Prince's son. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, you're Prince's child. And in my mind, I was like, what? Only to find out like a year later, like I Googled, like does Prince have a son? And Prince apparently had like, a, a child for like eight days and then it died and I was like well I was like either the janitor was high as fuck or I look like a dead baby A or B but Prince is a god um no I the whole new it's all great the new music where can everyone find you so they can buy this new music where can they follow you online um you can find the album on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, any streaming service, YouTube. Uh, and you can find me online at, on Instagram at Aja the Queen with a K. Um, they won't let me change my handle. I've been trying to just make it simplified and like they just, girl, they won't let me. Uh, my Twitter is Aja Oshum. That's A-J-A-O-X-U-M. And yeah, I mean, stay tuned. I mean, just don't go on my Wikipedia. Let me tell you, my Wikipedia is far from accurate. There's so much shit on there that I'm like, I've never said half of this or like I said this as a joke and then they put it on there. Also, like 
who gives a fuck about me getting kicked out of my lift like three years ago? <laughs> like that stuff, that's the stuff you'll find on my Wikipedia. You're like, how Wikipedia never gets it right. And yes, that is on your Wikipedia about you getting kicked out of your lift. I was, and it also says that I, that I came out as, as being Libyan. And I was like, I'm not Libyan. I said that because it came up as 1% on my DNA test. And it's not even on the DNA test anymore. Cause I don't know, those, every year their like technology gets better, I guess. But I just literally had a, such a field day the other day going on my Wikipedia and being like, this is a lump of shit. There's a lot there, but yes, everyone needs to follow you. They need to check out the new music. This was great. I will keep in touch. Thank you for taking your time. Hope your Starbucks kicks in. Oh, it has. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, you really should get Starbucks free for life. I mean, you were part of, you were part of it. I wish. They, I wish. I want to go back and be like, hey. <laughs> Remember me? <laughs> exactly. I'm just putting it out there. All right. Keep in touch. And everyone check out the music. It's great. Thank you so much for taking your time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.